Welcome to the Finder. I'm Tom Haverstrow. Welcome to the Finder. I'm Tom Haverstrow. Trey Edwards, Trevon Edwards, also known as Black Trey back in the day, no longer Black Trey. I'm mm-hmm. White Tom. Uh, thank you for joining us today, Trey. I, I, I've run out of like names and titles for you. You are an author, two books, mm-hmm. breaking mm-hmm. into podcasting, uh, and social media consulting, building your brand online. You are a Weed and Kennedy uh, copywriter. Uh, you are also uh, co-founder of Count the Dings, along with yours truly. Um, you're a former point guard for the Waldorf Warriors. Mm-hmm. Um, you are, what am I missing? Oh, a former Montessori school teacher. Mm-hmm. And you are a friend of the stars. Yes. Sounds <laughs> the stars. <laughs> <laughs> and you're, you're yeah, a social a, media guru. That's a lovely intro. I feel like every time I uh, do something with you, my my uh, intro gets longer. Oh, and and bomb a bomb co-host. Uh, Black opinions matter Mondays. Yeah. Uh, Bom, uh, go subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, yeah. So I, <laughs> Maze is just texting us. The way I broke into podcasting was knowing Trey. So that tracks. Good book. Yeah. Also, uh, day two four. I got a lot of hands, man. I'm like the the hidden tree of how people tree? of how people actually got into the mix. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun. So it's podcasting, social media, basketball, uh media relations, uh, advertising, education, um uh hair hair hygiene. We mm-hmm. can count that. Water. Can't leave water. water. Hydration. Hydration. That's right. Indeed. That's right. So I I um I want to ask you before we get started into other more important matters, aliens. What am mm-hmm. I supposed to do with this? I see this like ET paper mache looking thing, and thinking that Steven Spielberg had it right. Like it looks mm-hmm. exactly like ET. Like this doesn't seem like it's uh something that was just revealed. I, I feel like Steven Spielberg got this shit like thirty years ago. I, I, I honestly believe that. Art imitates life, right? And in a certain situation, as things are being exposed, there is at one point a reference point to all this stuff. Movies, books. You know, somebody just doesn't wake up and say, all right, I'm going to just make this mythical character. There's some template to it or some vision. And I honestly, you know, we used to think people were like making it up or just trying to get paid when they would say they would see these things. These beings. Now, obviously, these beings have been tall, short, green, glowing, however you want to make it. You know what I mean? You could say that about the spirit of the Holy Spirit of whatever your God is, right? Your deity. And it varies. So now seeing this, this extraterrestrial creature that is very small. Alleged, uh, Trey. Alleged. 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 In... I guess they found these two bodies in Peru like five years ago. And there is mm-hmm. uh, basically a ufologist. I guess that's a real term, Trey, a UFOologist, a ufologist mm-hmm. uh, expert who presented these two ET bodies to, uh, to the Mexican Congress as evidence that we are not alone. Yeah. I mean, this is the thing. Normally would be outrage if we had money and a lot of things were solved. But there's a recession looming. There's inflation. There is so many things that's going on in this world that it's like, eh, aliens. <laughs> but, but they <laughs> exist only to be memed online, Trey. Like, I feel like... Yeah, I mean, they, but we don't take nothing seriously. Yeah. Like I'm watching, I'm watching, uh, I like turn on to, uh, CNN.com just to see, it's almost like the, the credibility check of like a, a news story hitting Twitter or X or whatever you call it. And I'm like, this is CNN. Now I know people have their views about CNN, but just like anybody, uh, mm-hmm. NPR, NPR is covering. Okay. This is real. Yeah, CNN it's a- covering it. It's real. I didn't see anything on CNN. I'm like, yo, aliens were presented to the Mexico Congress. And this is not like front page news. And so 
I don't know. Uh, it do, it did look to me like a rendering, uh, uh, like a paper mache ET with the big head, almost like cylindrical head with a thin, frail body, three fingers, and I just I feel like it's just going to get memed, and that's going to be its use. Sure. I mean, unless that thing gets up, takes out all the victims in the laboratory, and we got a state of emergency or things start hovering or whatever our imagination creates, we're not losing any sleep over it. Okay. Again, until they can make death go away, we're not worried about it. <laughs> Wait, so uh, I'm bringing you on because you know more about social media than I do, but than most people on this planet know. You're uh, running, is this is this okay to say that you help run the McDonald's Twitter account or, or help out with certain branding. So with I'm McDonald's. in the writers. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm part of the writer's room. Um, I, I work with, a extremely talented team. Um, but I solely, uh, take the reins of McDonald's all American. Um, I can't solely take the credit for McDonald's individually. Um, that team is special. They win lots of awards. They, you know, make it, so relatable that you know you 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 wake up and i'm sure the competitors are waving their fists at the screen of like how do they do this you know what i mean um but i'm, I'm grateful to contribute to uh you know playing for the elite what does success look like for a social media team for mcdonald's um success i mean normally it's just like being the first you know what I mean? Like, that's the thing of getting in front of a trend or creating the trend that everybody, you know what I mean? Again, think about signature famous meals. Wyden Kennedy's responsible. Um, and shouts to McDonald's trust and Wyden Kennedy. Being I, I kept saying well, Weed and Kennedy. It's not Weed it's and okay. Kennedy, it's Wyden Kennedy. My Before bad. I got My hired, bad. I said the same thing, brother. <laughs> you know. um, but um, trusting them to be able to take advertising to another level uncomfortable level and push it to its beyondness of you know the, the uh celebrity collaboration meals right you looked and now everybody's doing crazy collabs with everything and that's so starting off in the pandemic starting movements or starting trends or yeah. starting being like oh man like i never thought of it like to do that and mcdonald's yeah. came up with that idea the well, grimace, you think about yeah. all the previous nike ads you know what i mean just do it was created by wyden kennedy you know what i mean like Little Penny was created by Wyden Kennedy. You know what I mean? Serena Williams, all her spots that everybody loves. The Kaepernick spot, created by Wyden Kennedy. These spots that continue. Says who? John Morant. Uh, LeBron, Father Time. I mean, go on. The list goes on. We've been a part of everyone's lives. And I know when you think about it and you quote retweet and you say, man, Nike did it again. <laughs> I didn't wait a minute. It's WK. <laughs> That's right. So why, why, um, like that kind of has to be kind of a cool moment for you as someone who wanted to be a McDonald's all American and the brand of McDonald's mm -hmm. all American mm -hmm. ate McDonald's. And now you're in the room trying to, uh, expand that brand and expand that reach. That's gotta be crazy. That's like a, a pinch me moment is being in those rooms. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's yeah, I always laugh at it. I joke with my friends. I was like, I wasn't good enough to be a McDonald's All-American. had a couple buddies that were, um, you know, and I think that's the ultimate dream. Who is that? Tyson and Chandler? Who, who else was? Tyson Chandler, that? Trayvon Bryant, uh, Josh Childress. I mean, uh, Hassan Adams. I mean, you got Brandon Jennings. You got, I mean, the list goes on, especially from our area. Baron Davis, Tayshaun Prince. Uh you know, I, I could I could spend up the next 20 minutes naming off players from California that were McDonald's All-Americans. Um, but to be heavily involved, not only be heavily involved, but we've never, I guess, in the history of McDonald's All-American associated with the face. I'm the face of the brand. I'm the voice of the brand, which is a lot at times. Because it's, again, it's people running up on me like, why my kid wasn't picked? And I'm like... <laughs> Bro, <laughs> bro, you know what I mean? Like Talk there's a him. whole selection committee. There's a whole selection yeah. committee, like, you know, um, but then there's the fun parts of, you know, getting a chance to um, be around these extraordinary athletes at their adolescence before they become professionals. Yeah. And, you know, they lose that children-like innocence. 
you know, catching them and they're really genuinely enjoying the time at the children's hospital. These are things that, you know, the general public don't get to see where they're spending time at the Ronald McDonald House and, you know, donating and their their quality time and, and those heartfelt moments that create that, you know, that uh that charity work in their 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 next careers. You know, what I mean that's the impact. And then just also just seeing the like how the early recruitment of teammates become. You know, what I mean that camaraderie, oh that's my boy, you know, and going to the rookie games in the summer league and seeing they feel like my kids. You know what I mean? Especially the boys, because the boys only get to they could do a year and be pros the next year. The girls have yeah. to wait three to four years. And seeing a kid like, oh, I'm gonna make it to the NBA. And I'm like, well, some of y'all are. Not all of y'all. You know what I mean? It's 24 of y'all and maybe 12 make it, maybe 15. Maybe your freshman year wasn't as great. Maybe you come out your junior year, maybe mm-hmm. you come out your senior year. But the connection to that, to see them hear their name called and watch their lives change and then you know, like Grady Dick is going to be in Toronto. I got a chance to spend time with Grady Dick. He's the funniest kid ever. So like when you're thinking about personality, if GMs wanted to talk to me, I'm firsthand with everybody. Brands were hitting me. Hey, is this guy marketable? What do you think about this kid? Did he smile a lot? You know what I mean? This and that. And I'm just like having to give them the end on that. You know what I mean? So um, it's a blessing. Um, and uh, it's pretty cool. So is your job basically to go viral every day? Not every day. Cause that's just not how it works. Um, how how does it work? Just being, a, being socially aware, being in the mix, being in the know, like not being beat out by the competition, not being beat out by, I need to know every social trend. So, um, dating me, what's it like dating me is being constantly annoyed because my phone's glued to my hand. I need to know everything and anything that's going on in the world. Cause like today like, I was, I was probably one of the first people in my office that knew about the alien stuff because I got up before everyone. And I'm like, Hey, are we going to like, is McDonald's going to jump in this? Do we play off this? <laughs> you know what I mean? And like, what would like, be the play? Call. Good call. You know what I yeah. mean? Because we did, we did the monolith. You know what I mean? We turned the monolith into a, um, you remember that when the monolith yeah. showed up? Yeah, we turned it into a a drive through speaker thing. You know what I mean? Like just playing off of it, but you have to have that type of humor in certain brands that you can kind of, you know, be a. When be I haven't aware. had when I haven't had a a double quarter pounder with cheese in two weeks, alien mm-hmm. picture like that's the sort of stuff you're trying to figure out. How do we incorporate that into our brand without being corny or cheesy? Well, as bad as it is, the negative is you know you've seen these whole youtube videos where a guy like left his meal out and it didn't age now that's obviously bad for the brand to plug that in and it's the, the alien reveal and it's a oh it's a, a a meal that's still ready to eat you know what i mean mm. like it's been trapped like that wouldn't be positive for the brand but it would be funny for someone funny. if i didn't do it as the face of the brand to do it you know what i'm saying so it's like picking and choosing those ways of like how to show up yeah, because I'm um, I'm trying to figure out how to go viral every day at work because I have a new Substack that I'm trying to promote and try to figure mm-hmm. out a way to get as many people with eyes on my work, and it's a tough environment out there. the 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 social media landscape has changed since uh, I was at ESPN, where I built up mm-hmm. most of my audience was because I would write an article, and then. Brian Winhurst would retweet it. Then the NBA official account would retweet it. The ESPN with millions of followers would retweet it. And I would get these uh, influencers, so to speak, or these big legacy brands or big uh, Twitter accounts that would retweet my articles. I don't have that as much anymore Mm -hmm. um, because the game has changed, but also because if you're going independent, you don't have those megaphones like you used to. And so it's a competitor. You would be considered a, com- you, well, just in general, you know, when it gets, I mean, you know, when we went through our little splits and we joined alliances, we couldn't work with each other and we did all these things. And it was like, Hey bro, I just dropped this new thing. Ah, uh, you know, retweet that. And I think the common fan doesn't really understand that between the business and side of that, because like, although we may be friends and I'm a competitor, we're in competition. I might read your article still and I might text you on the side. Hey man, that was a great article, bro. I love what you did, but I can't support it publicly. Mm. 
And it puts it in a weird space. I mean, obviously, we're cool enough to not, like, take offense of that. You know what I mean? Where it's like, you didn't retweet my work or you didn't share yeah. my stuff. It's like, no, how are there other ways to show up around it and, and not get dinged by your job? You know what I mean? Because that's what it is. It's viewership. It's ratings. It's, you know, how to get more subscriptions and things of that nature. Um, for your space, especially since you write, visual and threads are huge on your side. Ethan Strauss just wrote this article for his Substack uh, at House of Strauss where he's theorizing with some evidence that Elon Musk and the new X Twitter um, model is almost like shadow banning links or articles that it's harder to yes. get an article go no, viral. No link will be shown on there, by the way. What do you mean? So, I mean, you post your link. If you post your link, it's going to look like 14 characters, and then it's like dot, 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 dot. It's not shown fully like it used to. So when I post Apple Music links to like, you have to make the extra effort to go find out what that link is. It's shortened. It's not even visible. There's no a preview card is what you're saying. Like there's no, no like it used to be that <laughs> if you posted an article at ESPN.com or an article mm -hmm. at The Athletic you or at the article at New York Times, thumbnail. And, he, and there would be almost like a, an ad basically for your article where there'd be a photo and then there would be a headline and it almost gave it an air of legitimacy. Like, oh, I'm clicking on this. This looks interesting. Now it's mm -hmm. just a URL or even like yeah. a, a broken URL. It's just like so dot, dot, dot. If you put text before it, it may work. And it's still heavy lifting because people need to see. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? People need to see. So... What you can do is give a preview. You don't want to give your whole story because you want people to actually tune in. But you know how it's just the continue to reading? You have to do yeah. your threads that way and then add the link at the bottom for more. Yeah, because I'm, uh, I'm noticing that when I draft off of, you know, in like Mario Kart, when you're behind a behind Luigi and you're mm -hmm. Donkey Kong or whatever, you draft behind them and it kind of surges you forward. I feel like I've gotten a lot more engagement on some of my articles that I thought because I was retweeting an already viral video. So remember the mm -hmm. Korean basketball league guys who were yep. uh, bouncing in their free throws. Mm -hmm. The original video was going viral. Hundreds and thousands of people watching it, millions of people watching it. I would retweet that article or that video with my story link and saying like, hey, I found this really interesting and I asked a professor if banking and free throws is like physically better than just trying to swish them. And mm -hmm. that link got way more clicks than if I just posted that same caption on its own tweet by drafting off of an already viral tweet. I got a lot more action on it. And you're riding the back of a Twitter blue uh, premium account. I did. Yeah. So why, why does That's that matter? I, I subscribed and uh, full, I, uh, full confession, I, I, I bought into Elon Musk's uh, Twitter blue subscription, even though I was already verified and got it pulled. I am paying for the blue check and not because I read through the fine print and I felt like it was a good idea. I did it because you did it, Trey. Honestly. Okay. I'm so the influence. Elon, Elon should be paying you a cut because I feel like people like me are looking at if Trey does it, man, I, I can do it too. I mean, look, jokes are jokes. I've always been kind of teasing at it. Like, well, you paying for your blue check, right? There's shame involved. Once I explained and removed the shame of the actual reason for Twitter blue, right? It solely got into reach. If you're not a creator, you shouldn't have Twitter blue. You get what I'm saying? Point blank simple. Mm. You want to use it, use it to your own discretion. But if you are a creator and you actually want reach because you are capped. Now, I'm not sure. We had this conversation on Bomb with the meme, and I told them I was capped at 10% of my followers. Again, I only have 27,000 followers. That means I was only reaching 2,700 of those people each tweet. Because you were not subscribed to Because I was, not, I was not a suggested user. He's turned a it into, okay. he's, he's gamified the subscription. You know what I mean? Like, here's the perks. I'll throw you on accounts. I'll throw you on people's timeline that you don't follow. And they don't mm. follow you. 
Now your full access, that means you are a priority user of content and will be put in every algorithm that you belong in. So if you're basketball, you're going to go on the basketball timeline, whether I like you or not. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So that's what happened and, and how I explained it. Um, I didn't get Twitter, Twitter blue until, or X premium, whatever you want to call it nowadays, until they started to compensate. And I'm like, all right, people are complaining. I did the math, $11 a month. I get compensated. I pay off my full year subscription, right? Mm. It's $132, $132, right? You get paid bi-weekly, right? I've made $57 and I made $61. I paid off my entire subscription for the year. I can do this right now. I can see how much, or do I have to... So you I have, have to. There, there's a couple check marks. You apply for the okay. compensation. So if you go to revenue, okay, you have, to have 500 followers. Okay, you have, to have a total of five million impressions, right? That's okay, views. you know what I mean. A total, yeah. not just one tweet going five million. By the way, I just had the LeBron tweet. The Captain America, LeBron leaned up and he called the red phone. Ten point one. No, sorry, eleven million as of today impressions <laughs> on that one tweet. So you're on that good. one tweet. Yeah. I mean, it's probably going to be a hundred, couple hundred bucks that I've made off of that. You know what I mean? But, so, so it went from a shame, stigma, a scarlet letter to an actual business for you. Yes. It's like, uh, it's, it's not only am I going to reach a larger audience, but it's going to make me some money or at least make some money back. Um, so you're saying that I'm paying into Twitter blue, but you're making it back up. It's like a rebate. You're just... I'm yeah. making it back up. It's fine. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, you're looking at it like I can see the hate from other people in a certain way. But when it comes to a point of like I'm being compensated for something I would do for free anyway. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like it's just these are I'm a rapid fire shooter. Like I'm not like strategically trying to sound smart. I'm just saying what I feel and some stuff sticks and some stuff doesn't. You get what I mean? Yeah. And that's what I, I was telling TJ, who was formerly at uh, Twitter before, TJ, you know, uh, he was there and he was like, we were talking about the degree and not the comparisons, but like Josiah is known as the king of Twitter, right? Yeah. But, but Josiah is not text only. He is content based with words. Jasmine Watkins, who's also, I consider the queen of Twitter, is uh, content based. They use videos and pictures along with their text only widen has taught me i have to be so witty enough to write i cannot because illegal i can't grab a meme for ip say, reasons or copyright and and i have steal to write it, like, with text i have to write with text so there's a degree to this if they if elon said you know what we're gonna change changes you can't add a, a photo image how many people would actually go viral off their words Mm. So much of it testament. is a is a, a a gif or a video or a meme of like even if it's uh, the alien like it, it's it's hard to create viral content now that I think about it without a video or without a photo and that's part of like the chicken or the egg is like can I go viral without um, a, a, a meme or without a video and that's what I'm trying to learn is. It used to be that articles like Ethan wrote, articles will go viral. Like, A, just wrote this article about LeBron and how clutch he is at, at, the, uh, at the free throw line. Uh, check this out. And then that would go viral. Not anymore. It like articles don't have the same uh, virality to it. And I don't know if that's part of the system. Like that's in the engineering it of does. the app. It does, but you have to screenshot and give a tease. You know what I mean? What do you mean? I don't know if you ever. So you know how like Annie Lou or yeah. I'm just trying to think of certain trolls that like they they're damn good at it, right? You don't have to read the full article, but it'll be smack dab right. of like a hot two hot ass quotes in there. Yep, and you say, "Oh, I can't believe you know you put the top, the the copy in it and then post the two screenshots that you have of whatever story you quote unquote read." And people 
will take it for what it is and not get the whole book of the story and only the juicy part. And that stuff goes viral. Those things still go viral. You know what I mean? But you have to play the game the right way because Elon doesn't want to hero any other thing outside of X. Yes, only, especially Substack. You know I mean? Yeah, it seems like he's at odds with Substack because it is a competitor, right? It's it's not yes. just it's not just at ESPN versus uh, NBC versus Sports Illustrated. We're on different teams now. It's if I'm on Twitter or on X to promote my Substack article, that could mm-hmm. be conceived as, man, why are we taking you to one of our competitors? Why are we why are we at Ford being like, yo? try out this, this Chevy, you know, that would not make any sense competitive wise. Or like, why would McDonald's put out a, uh, an advertising campaign that would like compare them to a Burger King, like a Whopper. It just, why are you giving free Mm -hmm. advertising to your competitor? But I find it interesting, like, um, trying to figure out if I have a piece of my article that I want people to read, but it's behind the paywall. What do I do then? Like, do I use that little, like I did a a graphic of my articles, like findings, like statistical findings of the best five team USA squads. And it was below the paywall, but I wanted people to read it. And so I was using stuff that was behind the paywall as almost an ad. I I shared that. I shared that graphic in my group chat and it got passed around a couple of times and that, but again, how can you put that in words? enough for it to be because the graph is one thing your, your just, lebron tweet had no your lebron tweet had no pictures no no video and yet it went viral it got two thousand retweets reposts whatever and twenty thousand likes 11 million people so that's just your wit that's just trey yeah it's just trying to be funny like i mean again i'm not trying to negative people are like that's exactly how i thought it would be you know what i mean also comments are the comments are your your friend replying instead of quote retweeting because people read the comments more than anything that's crazy to me i always thought like quote tweeting was was better but quote retweeting just resets the count what do you mean resets the count so if i quote retweet if you quote retweet that lebron tweet and you outperform my tweet i don't get nothing from that you become the sole owner of the tweet resets the count. so Wait, so it resets so the count, meaning you don't get... So if, so if Zach dunked on you, on your piece, it would all go to Zach and he gets the analytics of it. Damn. So that's why that's I used dirty, to tell people, man. stop quote retweeting. And that's why Elon has now removed the quote in the update. There's no more quote. So don't update your phone. Wait, but if I'm on Twitter blue, I should be able to decide if I want to keep the... <laughs> paying He's removing it because people are manipulating the compensation. Oh, interesting. Okay, so they were gamifying mm-hmm. the game. They were mm-hmm. they were leveling up. Yeah, they found out. They found out. Like, okay, this is what people are doing. Bad. We're gonna make it even harder to compensate. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? But that's what I say. It takes real skill. If you're a creator, cool. But like, it's like, all right, cool. Yeah, you can rip this video and write all this other stuff. But let's see who can actually get genuine likes and retweets. So I feel like, um, I used your advice a few months ago during the NCAA tournament when, um, one of the teams, uh, San Diego state, their coaching staff, one of the, one of the assistant coaches has ALS, Mark Fisher. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to use that as a a springboard for, um, my hoops for ALS initiative, um, which Mm -hmm. is our committee that we're trying to get, um, behind a basketball event, like a tournament, a mini tournament, college hoops to promote Lou Gehrig's disease or promote cures for Lou Gehrig's disease in the same way that we did for Lou Gehrig day. Shout out to uh, your profile picture with the Lou Gehrig day hat and Lou Gehrig day shirt. Thank you for that. You were like giving, you know, spreading the gospel about doing a Twitter thread versus just a post. Mm -hmm. And so what I did was I did a thread of like eight people, big stories in the NBA or basketball world that have a connection to ALS, the Capels, you know, Jeff and Jason Capel who lost their father to ALS, uh, Larry Bird's mother, uh, passed away from ALS, Mark Fisher, of course, a coach at a final four team, Mm -hmm. um, using all of these stories to like get more eyeballs on it. And it worked. 
yeah. like a thread of like eight, eight boom, 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 boom examples of how the ALS world has impacted, uh, or basketball has been impacted by ALS and it got crazy, uh, links or crazy views on it. My question yeah. is, all right, so how do I take that and turn it into action? Like taking that and saying like, all right, I want you to subscribe to the hoops for ALS movement and join my, join my campaign. So I guess your, your answer to that would be at the end on the last one, make a call to action mm-hmm. and go. If you want to learn more about ALS and the connection to basketball, subscribe here. Um, but the thread idea, like that was fantastic. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, it, it's just different hacks, man. I mean, I, I, I play with, again, I released this book and it was genuinely to help people because it was free at first. I gave it for free. And then I was like, well, if you want to support, it's five bucks. Yeah. You know what I mean? But it was originally free. I I still get emails of people at all these universities, I guess teachers using it. You know what I mean? They don't even Mm. know, probably know who I am, but it's probably been passed around because I get this Gumroad notification. Your book has been downloaded. Your book has been downloaded. Your book has been downloaded. I don't know how many times, you know what I mean? And that's cool. But I I look at it in a certain perspective of like, things are going to constantly change. Since I work in social, I know. I have to stay ahead of it. I'm reporting back to my team. Hey, you know, they don't do that no more. Like threads, when Instagram threads came out. Instagram threads, I reported back to my team. I was on it because you were on it. I was like, oh, Trey's Trey's setting up shop here. It will not be good until January 24. You know what I mean? Because right now they're still trying to collect data. It's a user... It's built by the people. They're not trying to compete with Twitter. There's no such thing as going viral on Instagram yet. I mean, on threads yet. So again, they're still taking recommendations of how to build the perfect app. So this is a trial phase. This is a That's experiment, all it is. experiment for yes. now. And then, yep. and then January 2024, they'll be ready to be like, okay, this is what threads is. But for right now, hey, the gifts... Y'all need gifts. Oh, y'all need this. Okay, if I would like it this way. And then you know what would really be cool? If it did this. And now they're just listening. Adam and company over there at Meta are just, yep, tell me more. Okay, they said they didn't like that. Okay, they said they love that. We're making changes right now. You're seeing it change weekly. But it's not going to be the competitor because people are like, oh, I knew it wouldn't be Twitter. It can't be Twitter because Twitter has they did it first. They get in right. a lawsuit if they just took their stuff block for block. So they have to they make gotta, it yeah. somewhat differently. Um, in the same way that like Twitter didn't copy AOL Instant Messenger, they did a whole new thing mm-hmm. and then left they did them a whole in the new dust. Thing. Yes. So uh, I mentioned ALS uh, and all the help you've done with my mom and the pepper challenge over the mm-hmm. years. And uh, so I got a big thing on Monday. We're doing a celebration of her life on Monday. And I got to say, um, you know who your real friends are? Because like you get when you announce and break the news to people that, you know, your a loved one passed away. There's this rush of people who give support and condolences and they hit you up. Mm-hmm. And then there's that second wave of people who say, Hey man, just checking in. And you were in that second wave. And we had a talk. I remember where I was, um, a few days after my mom passed and you were just checking in you text, Hey, Hey man, how you doing? Just checking in, see how you doing. And then we talked on the phone and it was so helpful for me to hear a different perspective of grief because I didn't grow up with a lot of death in my life. Mm-hmm. And then hearing your perspective, uh, growing up in Compton and having a totally different experience than what I had. Um, and I, th- I find that you are still wrestling with a lot of these things mm-hmm. that it's not like you solved grief or figured out yeah, how to no, grieve a, a death. And mm-hmm. yet it was very therapeutic to, to just talk about it Yeah, is like yeah. the emotions I was feeling, um, very competing feelings like Mm -hmm. on one hand i'm really upset and sad i lost my mom to Mm -hmm. als but i've been grieving that for a long time and then Mm -hmm. the finality of she's gone she died it was a totally different spiritual experience and Mm -hmm. i didn't realize that and so talking it over with you um it helped me kind of clarify some of my competing feelings and emotions 
And I just, one, one thing I, I was struck by, you said something to me that just floored me is that like, you didn't cry mm-hmm. for years. Like yeah, all these people years. in your fifth, what do you, so 15, 15. years mm-hmm. from what? Like you're a 15 years old and you, obviously not true, but like, no, what does the 15 uh, years mean? Well, it's not 15. I'm sorry. 13. Uh, my grandma passed away in 2009 and, uh, that was like my mom, you know what I mean? My caretaker, et cetera. And after her funeral, I just couldn't cry no more. I was just cried out. You know what I mean? Like I felt like it was nothing coming out. You know what I mean? Like I would get bad news and I'm like, this should shake me to the core. Yeah. Couldn't get nothing out. You know what I mean? Like I have boys don't cry on my, my, my face, my hand. And people was like, oh, you like Frank Ocean or you seen the movie? And I'm like, nah, it's it's honestly like symbolism because I was taught at a young age when I lost my father at nine and I lost a close, like I have seen my friend get shot and killed. I watched, I've gotten bad news where classmates have been murdered. Just different things just growing up, right? That the average person, I don't know, but strong enough to handle. No. It became normalcy. You know what I'm saying? And it was like, maybe tough. And we'd be at the funerals. And I would just get some glasses and I would put the glasses on and we just be, you know, we bury them and, you know, sayonara and keep living. And it made me look at like the price of life and the understanding of like how you say damn and you keep living. Man, you know, I don't want that to be me, man. I don't want that no, to be no. like if and I die, people go to mm-hmm. my funeral and they're just like, all right, let's keep it moving. You know, like it but, almost. But that, but it's, but it's life. It sucks because we get bad news all the time, but it's like, that's why people that use the term died of a broken heart. You know what I'm saying? Where people just can't go on. And there's some people that are stricken to the core to that point, but like, you know, Lord willing, we get to live until we're old and gray. But if you die young, the next aspirations is like, yo, Tom will want me to continue to keep living. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but that's a weird, that's a weird thing, man. Like that's a, it's almost like a coping mechanism to uh, not, ha- I don't know. Like if you, when your grandmother died mm-hmm. was part of your rationale of like, it's okay that I'm not crying because she would want me to keep moving my life forward. Like she would want me to like mm-hmm. put my, my whole life into studying or into my new job mm-hmm. or into basketball. Yeah. Like she would want me to keep it moving. And like yeah. when Kobe died or when such and such like big NBA icon dies. It's like, Hey, I wanted to keep playing. Cause it's a tribute to that player. Like mm-hmm. she, that player would want me to keep playing. And I'm just like, ah, I don't know. We're kind of projecting a little bit there. It's almost like we're I, rationalizing the lack of grief. I don't know if grieving is the right word, but, but I do you know like what I'm saying? How, how, a, but how long would you really grieve? You got the bill still got to get paid. Yeah, you know, totally, totally. Do you know what I mean? Life's it. That's like if your partner's like, look, I imagine you, you tell, yo, my, my dog died. They're going to say, damn, I'm going to give you a couple of days. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. And it's like, well, right. are you coming back to work? <laughs> yes. You know, I, feel, Love, I honestly, I honestly feel bad about Pebbles your dog. Pebbles was a beautiful dog, but like, but we also... We, Need your PowerPoint you know here, I mean? please. And, that, yeah. and that's the thing about life. You know what I mean? Like, even when my mother got shot, bro, it was like, they was like, yo, you could take t- up to 10 weeks off. And I'm like, I would go mad because I don't know what to do with myself to sit in that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, sometimes the coping mechanism is to go and keep yeah. working, to take your mm-hmm. mind off things. And then sometimes you can sit there and the act that I can't get upset about certain things. But, like, I was just programmed that way. You know, bad things happen and it's like, that's the way of life. And then you keep going because at the end of the day, y'all would be sad if something happened to me, but like, like your daughters are getting older. You got to continue to live. You're married. Life happens. I'm not going to tell you, Tom, stop living when I live. The audacity, the selfishness, you know what I'm saying? You want to feel like that, but it's a guilt. It's survivor's guilt. That's what it is. It's survivor's guilt. You get into that mode of like, he should be here. I had, a, I had a college teammate that died. He's like, yo, I'm going to transfer to Central Connecticut State. You know what I mean? CCSU, uh, baby. He was like, yo, they want me, blah, blah, blah. I was like, yo, I'm going to be in New York. I'm going to see you. 
him, his mom, his niece, his nephew, um, his cousin, they all died in a car accident. I didn't see him no more after that. That was two weeks after that. They hooped, it was going to Kingdom to play ball and died in the turnpike, got hit by, like collided with a bus. And I was just like, damn. Like, I don't want to hoop. I don't have the urge to hoop. It's 2006. I'm just like, but he won't want me to play. We talked about, we talked about <laughs> mind this. Games. You get yeah. what I'm saying? We yeah. talked about this. I'm, I'm, I'm in grief, but like, this life shit don't stop. What, I'm not going to go to school no more? But does that mean that you're burying those emotions in the same way no. that like you? No, because you could, because it still comes up. It still comes up. Like to this day, I live in New York. Like I, I was tripping one day. I was talking to myself. I said, yo, Kiwa, I'm a trip. I live in New York now. This is crazy. I live here. We used to talk about California versus New York all the time. I'd be like, yo, yeah. I never live in New York and blah, blah, blah. And it made me think about them. You know what I'm saying? Or I hear a certain song and it triggered me. Because I'm like, till we die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These, are, these are my friends yeah. that, you know, I, 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 I played the video game with. Yo, remember him? One of the, I got a call Thursday that one of my friends got murdered on Facebook. I'm just like, you, this is life. I've been so used to it. It's like, damn, I'm not going to be able to make the funeral. But someone taught you. Someone taught you. Someone conditioned you. Life or it's me. just the life. Life, yeah. Life taught me. No one cares. To be honest, let's, if we being real honest, just think about it. You just explained to the audience that there were people that sent texts. Hey, my condolences. Da, 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 da. Gone. And there's the next layer. Hey, bro, the follow-up. Then it's probably even a closer that pulled up on you and actually sat there and just had a drink with you. Didn't say nothing. Sat in silence with you. Rubbed your back. That's a whole nother layer that, you know, and it's you can't fault the people that go away because they got shit to do. This life shit, the world spins without you. With or without you. That's why I always tell myself, my biggest reminder is, it's not always about you, Trey. It's not always about you because at the end of the day, I could be mad and then I get mad at you. Think about this. If I had a bad day, I got caught in the rain. I plop in my chair. All right, let's do this, man. Yeah. You didn't do anything to me. Mace didn't do anything to me. It's not always about me. Mm. You know what I mean? And I think that's too because we want everybody to feel how we feel. I'm hurt. Okay. But All right, let me flip it on you person. though. Okay, let me flip ahead. it on you though, Trey. Would mm-hmm. your grandmother wanted you to cry? No, she don't care. Cause I wasn't that. I wasn't never that kid. I never was that kid anyway. You know what I mean? I think the last time I really, 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 really cried was them telling me my dad was no longer coming back. I had a pro. I had an idea of what death was already at nine. A lot of people don't even know what death is. Death is hidden for a long time, especially in your adolescence. I was forced to grow up really fast, so I knew that ain't ain't no reset button in life. Okay, you have no dad. My mom's out of the picture. I'm still coming to grips right now in therapy that I have no parents. My relationship with my mom is a good morning text and sending money. And that's, I had to accept that. You've had a mom your entire life. And although you feel like I would love ALS stole these years from me, you still have more Mm -hmm. time with your mom than I've ever Mm -hmm. had in my entire life. You know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? So I'm Mm -hmm. like, I sympathize, but you always have to think about the next person. I was blessed to have, how long, think about this before this, this disease happened. How, how old were you when, that, when, that, when your mom got ALS? Uh, 30 years old. Okay. So for the first 30, think about that. The first 30. Yeah. You had her. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Like, in your corner, pick up the phone. Mom, hey, mom, this and that. She's there, available, ready. It makes it almost harder uh, it, in a weird way. It makes the death harder because you've had yes. your whole life with this person. It's harder to And detach. you realize what you're losing, right? Mm-hmm. It's like you don't know what you got until it's gone. In yep. some ways, the fact that I was, my whole life has been inextricably linked to her, mm-hmm. um, it makes that loss feel even bigger. And yeah. But, but the weird thing is like, uh, so my, one of my dad lost his dad at two years old. Mm-hmm. Um, and then his, uh, I never met my grandmother, like his mother. 
mm-hmm. and I'm okay. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know either of my grandparents on my father's side mm-hmm. and I'm okay. And I remember like when I was really upset about my daughters, not knowing mom in the same way that I knew my mother's parents, I was like, but I didn't have my dad's parents and I'm okay. Mm-hmm. And we, mm-hmm. I turned out okay. And that was such a gift to have mom around my girls, my two girls who are six and four now, mm-hmm. that they know who g is. Like mm-hmm. they know who g is. And that's such yeah. a gift. Holding yeah. on to that gift and not being upset about the fact that they're not, mom's not going to be able to see them get married, not to see them graduate middle school, not to see them graduate elementary school. I'm upset about those things. But man, like to put things in perspective, I've had mom for 30 years. And yeah. there are a lot of my friends who, whether it's cancer or what have you, car accidents, they've lost their parents. And I'm nothing compared to the death that has, that has impacted you, you know, like I, I don't know. It, it like, it, it tore me up inside to hear the fact that like, there was so much death in your life growing up as a kid and loss, you know, learning that your dad isn't coming back at nine years old. Um, and it just seemed to me like, man, I was being privileged. Like, man, that was, I was like, yeah, but no, nah, not like, even I got first world problems compared to other people who like. But I, but I can say, but I can say that about myself. I mean, those are, it, we're all rich to someone. You know what I'm saying? Regardless of how we look at it, you know what I mean? Because if I didn't have my grandma, I would have been in the system, and I probably would have bounced family to family to family to family. You know what I mean? She decided to adopt me just to keep me with my family. I had no, like no parent. I literally, my mom was on drugs and my daddy was murdered. So like, it was kind of like, I don't know what to do. I don't. And that's the thing. I think the biggest thing that sucks about me is I don't know my identity. What do you mean you by that? I, mean? I don't know. Who, you're I, don't, I don't know what I, what I get, where I get certain things from. I don't know where I get my humor from. I don't know this. I've never seen it. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I'm moving this path alone. You know what I mean? And that's the frustrating part I have in therapy because I'm just kind of like, I want to build this relationship with my mom. Are you mad, my mom? Mm-hmm. But it's mm-hmm. like, she doesn't know how to be a mom and I can't be mad at her because she had me in the ninth grade. She had to stop going to school. She had me at 14 years old. So it's like, if I was 14 and I had a kid, what? how am I going to handle the situation? Or if I be, you know, I, I've been clean. I was on drugs for 20 something years and now I'm finally... And I've been in and out of prison and I'm finally home. How do I relate to a grown adult son? I might be 39 years old. So like at the end of the day, this is just in order for it to work. That's my friend. Because I can't ask her to be a mom. Like what, what could she possibly deliver at this point in my life outside of, you know, because she's still trying to figure out the ways of the world. She don't know how to be. We're growing up together at this moment. My mom is 55 years old. I'm 39. We are friends. We are damn near sister and brother. Man, that's fucked up. That's, I don't know. That's messed up. That's messed up. It is, but it's life. And I have to accept it. I know. I know. I like (laughs) to, to think of your mother as a friend and not a maternal figure. But what you're describing is how, how, how could she? She was a child when she had me. Mm Mm-hmm. She was 14 and, and although she tries, she wants to be more, but it's like, yeah, yeah. Live your life mm-hmm. as much as you possibly can. As long as you're here, I am no longer your responsibility. I don't want to be your responsibility. I'm not calling to add any extra burden to the free life that you have. You are child free. And I hope that you get whatever you need for the rest of your life from here on out. I'm here to support that. You gave me life. You and my father gave me life. And now I'm making the best of it. Because again, imagine if she still had custody of me and did everything she did. And I had to live in those type of environments while still Mm. trying to figure it out. And that is said Tupac, who had to live his mama's struggle with drug abuse and they would move constantly. That is playing a huge role. I at least had some inconsistency, consistency because I was a latchkey kid. When I talk to people, especially when I was dating women and stuff like this, trying to figure things out, I would have to be very vocal and honest. Like, I didn't get hugs. I didn't get kisses. I don't know what that is. My grandma worked all the time. I was a latchkey kid. I've been walking home from school since I was seven years old. 
You know what I mean? TV dinner and don't let nobody in. I was raised by the TV, literally. Literally. Mm. My grandma got dementia when I was 14 years old. I've been the man of the house since I was seven. My grandma got custody of me at 55 years old, Tom. What's she going to do with me? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? She passed away at 72, 73. No, 81. I'm sorry. She passed away. I was 25 when she passed away. 24, 25. Yeah. And which I'm is like, still young. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Which is young. And I said, look, yep. if that's the, the, the pinch of motherhood that I ever have in my life, that was enough for me. Because I felt some type of love, even if it wasn't physical. But I struggle with actual touch. It's triggering for people to touch me because I never had hug. You never had a loving touch, like a, a compassionate yeah. touch. Yeah. It's yeah. Which is like a foundational thing for me. Like, you know, I'm writing, my, I wrote my mom's obituary and mm -hmm. that was really a, a therapeutic experience. Learning about my mom in ways that like, I didn't know half of the things about my mom until I asked my dad, like, Hey, what, like, why did she go to college here? Why did she, why, how many times did you think about moving to, we moved to Brazil in 1990 and how, um, sorry, 86 and then got back to the States at 90 and like learning about what my parents were thinking in New Jersey, moving to Sao Paulo. I don't know those mm -hmm. answers. And I'm learning mm -hmm. about it and I'm thinking, how cool is this that I'm learning about my mom and like all this stuff. And then what you just told me is like, you don't know any of that shit with your, with your dad yeah. and your mom, like that whole no one's experience. Gonna give me, no one's going to give me those answers. And I think the right download now, of, it, of learning about your identity and all that, like, man, that's, I'm so fortunate, right? Like I'm, uh, I can ask those questions and get answers. And mm -hmm. that's really nice. But then now I'm making a speech, right? So at this, at the service on Monday, which is not going to be a religious ceremony, my mom mm -hmm. was raised Catholic, raised us Catholic, and then fell out of the Catholic church for a variety of reasons, but it's going to be a pretty secular uh, mm -hmm. experience. And mm -hmm. one of the, like the foundational memories I have of my mom is, uh, I had a concussion, like I hit my head as at a young age and I just like fell in her lap and she just rubbed my back, just consoling me. And when I told my daughter that Gma passed away, like my four-year-old, she just looked at me and she just hugged me and started rubbing my back mm -hmm. like my mom used to. And I was like, holy shit. Mm -hmm. Thank you, mom. But there's like, going to be I, so many different moments that you're going to be like, yo, your grandma used to say that. It's going to fuck yeah. you up. It's yeah. going to fuck you up. Because I hear I'm shit like, and my grandma will say some shit and I'll be like, yo, my grandma used to say that. And it don't, it don't fucking trip me because I'll be like, yo, all right, I, I hear you. I see you wherever yeah, I you see are. You, like, I heard that, right? Yeah. And mm -hmm. and that, that I, don't, I don't go to church. I don't read the Bible. I don't, um, I've, I left that back in middle school when we stopped going to church. Right. Mm -hmm. But I found myself being way more spiritual in her passing than I ever have. And that's kind of mm -hmm. part of the grieving process is I, I want to say it's not cognitive bias, meaning mm -hmm. I see the things I want to see, or I see the things that I'm looking for. And that, mm -hmm. like, when a butterfly flies by, I'm like, Hey mom. Or when a hummingbird, she loved hummingbirds. When I see a hummingbird, I'm like, Hey mom, like, is that really her or is it just my mind's playing tricks on me because she passed away it's and you're looking for it's, signs? It's, it's comforting though. It's it comfort. is. It's crazy comforting. It's <laughs> like, comforting. My, I had a dream about my mom. She visited me in one of my dreams and it was so affecting. It was so affecting. And it brought me a lot more peace. And I kind of, I was really stressing about going and seeing, seeing her at the funeral home, like seeing her. Mm -hmm. I hadn't seen her after she passed. And that... The night before that, she visited me in one of my dreams. Can't believe I'm talking about this, but this is cool. All right. So she visited me in one of my dreams and I woke up in tears and I'm crying and I run to my brother. I'm like, you won't believe what, I, like mom just came and visited me in my dreams. And all the anxiety and the stress and the nerves of going to see her body later that day just mm -hmm. washed away. It washed away because I, I, I saw her. She, she mm -hmm. and I had a moment. Mm-hmm. 
And it was weird to think that a figment of my imagination, my dream, a vision that I had at night would have that kind of therapeutic effect about something that has been really bothering me or something that was causing me a lot of angst. And you're right. It is comforting. Like, even if, I I don't know, I don't know what the higher power is that I believe in, but I will tell you this. I did not believe in whatever that was, that spiritual connection before she passed. And now I I very much believe in it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, it it takes, it takes experiences sometimes to be like, all right, you know what I mean? Cause South of the church is, you know, it's supposed to be a hospital for the help for the ones that, that need healing and things of that nature. But we all have our own personal connection with whatever we do believe in. We have faith in something, whether it's a sports team, even atheists have believed in something. And even people that break rules still follow rules. You know what I mean? No matter how you speak it out. Um, We, we, our brains work oddly to a point where we, you know, we have to find some type of comfort, you know what I mean? And it brings that point. You know what I mean? Like, again, that is your holding lasting memory of your mother. In the relation of, I know what she likes, and this is possibly her showing up. And it's a comfort. It is a trigger for you. And it's a good trigger because, again, it lets you know that things will be okay and that I'm always there. Even when when she's physically not there, you know, like, hey. Because that's that's also, we always say, they're not gone, they're right here. It's true. In your heart. Yeah, in your heart. It's true. It's true because that's why we triggered. Because if you forgot, they'd be gone forever. The memory, the thought, everything. It is true. They make leave footprints on your heart. Yeah, forever. Because you're like, damn, my mom loves this song. Fuck. Yep. It's randomly <laughs> playing on the algorithm. That's crazy. Yeah. You're like, oh man, that mm-hmm. is wild. Like uh so often I found myself seeing her. Uh, not her physical self, but seeing her, the, the food she liked, the songs she liked, even the smells of like, oh, I, I, I associate lavender or whatever it is, be- bed sheets, whatever it is that like, oh, this is the same like the laundry detergent that she uses, whatever it is, just takes you right back. Mm-hmm. And so she lives on for sure. And mm-hmm. um, it's a... You know, she came to our Count the Ding show in Boston mm-hmm. and she loved seeing us on stage. She loved watching us perform. Um, and I have photos of us like hanging out at, at the event and it just being like, I still have those, all those memories. Mm-hmm. I still have them. And it's great. It's great to like, I don't know. Yeah. Look back on the the moments I had with her and the moments of like my four year old rubbing my back to console me because I just told her that grandma died is a way for her to live on. Right. Mm-hmm. And in ways that like, even if she isn't here, I talk to her a lot more than I did before. Like before she passed, I wasn't talking to her as much because it was, it was difficult. Um, but man, like to your point, life moves on and we're going to have this service on Monday at Longshore mm-hmm. in Westport. If anyone wants to come that is listening to this, that want to support the fam, we're going to do a celebration, uh, Monday afternoon and it's, and it's going to be cool, but it's, it's crazy how it happens in waves, the grieving process. And for you, Trey, um, you were, you were, uh, very helpful for me. So thank you for reaching out, especially that second time. And then we, we just talked cause it's, uh, it's, it's anchoring, mm-hmm. you know? So thank you for that. Yeah, no problem, man. You know, like I said, I'm always here as long as I'm here. <laughs> that, that's, <laughs> and then that's you're going to be in my heart. Um, yeah. I know this is a hard break, uh, a hard turd, but I had to ask you cause I wrote this piece about team USA and why it's no big deal that Team USA lost at World Cup. Uh, and I, there's no real segue here for my mom. From my mom. Mm-hmm. Um, how do we get players to care more about World Cup? Or is that is that 
toothpaste out of the tube, NBA, American players, American players, I should say, is like, how do we get Steph, LeBron, KD to play for World Cup in the same way that Bogdan Bogdanovich and Dennis Schroeder play for, or is that, is it, that ship is sailed? I think the ship is sailed just because we don't care that much. We're, we're proud Americans, don't get it wrong. But we have the, we have the option. We have the option. And it's also, I mean, it goes into this, this whole thing, right? I'm an African-American athlete. Do I really feel patriotic in this particular moment across the world? Although I'm making this money, don't get me wrong. <laughs> making this money but do i really feel patriotic in this particular moment and not saying that these players don't feel that when they do represent the country but solely when you think about other countries they want to impress they want to deliver they want to be they they bleed their country we don't bleed america you know what i'm saying we don't literally go any i'm american we don't scream that you know what I'm saying? We don't, we have too much freedom to, we have freedom to actually disdain the government. You know what I'm saying? Like this is the one country where we can get on live air and just say whatever you want to say and complain freely. These other countries get their heads chopped off, speaking crazy about the dictator, you know what I mean? Whoever <laughs> yeah, is running, yeah. whatever it is. Their families are in trouble. You know what I mean? Like, there's more at stake versus us. We got a freedom. We got an option. It's like, think about the draft. If that became more of like a draft situation, then they ain't got no choice. We got, we got a choice versus everybody else. Because I, uh, I come from a very uh, affluent Caucasian town of Connecticut. And a lot of people in my town that I grew up with, and I'm proud of where I came from. I'm not arguing that I wish I wasn't, but they proudly wear, you know, American flag clothing, like shirts or pants or some sort of like flag adorned on whatever their car, like a sticker on their car. That's not everybody's experience, their association with the American flag. And I, I mean, as much as I'd like to say that, everybody should want to go play and represent the country. That's not realistic. Mm-hmm. Or at least the incentive structure isn't such that the Draymond's KD's of the world are just like begging to go play for team USA. I'd like that to be the case. I think we all would as citizens of America to think that like there would be no issue there. Mm-hmm. But it's so, everybody got so many options. You got so much little space of recovery time. You know what I mean? Like, this is the time you spend with your family. You're taking a vacation. You might want to golf. You got these shoe tours. You got these obligations. You got these commercials you got to shoot. It's this so is the much only time stuff. in the NBA calendar that an NBA player, NBA star can be a, a, a person. Yes. A family the man. One break. Yes. Or you can be LeBron but, James and just do it till you can't do it no more. But LeBron is but still hopping on it. But, but I don't think no one loves it that much to that extent. Yeah. Katie's been, Katie got three gold medals. Think about that. Yeah. He had three. And now we're asking him to go get another one? Mm hmm. His acts of to, service? To, to, to confirm our dominance in this sport, right? To like, yeah, for what? I mean, I guess. And from what I'm told, right. not, this ain't got to be breaking news. From what I'm told, Grant Hill don't want a lot of old players, so it's gonna be some controversy. He you wants I mean? he wants guys who are in it for the long haul. But he all yes, he wants a couple guys that's coming over there. So that whole LeBron recruitment, it's only gonna be a few guys. Everybody ain't gonna go. They would love to be a part of that because they get to be a part of the story. They get a chance to play quote unquote LeBron's last run. KD's technically last run as a Olympic. Well, 92, Olympian. we had Larry, we had Magic, who were on their Mike, last legs, yep. right? Mm-hmm. And, and it was a matter of, like, of the sayonara, almost. It was like, this yes. is my swan song. Mm-hmm. Being part of this Barcelona team, dream team. There's not yes. going to be that Lifetime Achievement Award slots as much as people would. Yeah, want. it's not. 
And I think that's the situation that, you know, like all this is cool, but it's about fit. No prima donnas. No, I need the ball. That's why the Cal know, Kuzma. Cal Kuzma, Kuzma <laughs> tweet said, "Hey, y'all better, you know, you better get some 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 uh, stars over there that can do the dirty work." And D book retweeted, "I'll do it. I'll play some defense." Because he's hey, done he that been in the replies, Trey. He should have been in the replies saying that. He definitely should have been a reply person. <laughs> but no, he'll get it because he's in the favor. He's yeah. he's he's a super celeb. Yeah. You got a whole think about it. If you got a whole fan base behind you, you're not worried about all this, these impressions. You're not thinking about that. You play for the Lakers, you don't need any of that. You're gonna be good. I was joking with Quinn Cook. Like, yo, you lost a couple followers. Cause he used to have a million followers on Instagram. I said Laker Nation got you to a million. You don't play for the Lakers anymore. You're like at 972,000. Damn. It's a, it's a huge drop. Like, think about if Austin Reeves doesn't play for the Lakers anymore. Caruso plays for the Chicago Bulls now. His popularity has since drifted. Because they don't want to see Orlando Magic or whatever team he plays for next in his in their feet. I mean, that makes sense that, like, you would follow. I, I do it with baseball, right? Like, I'll follow a player because I love the Red Sox. And then mm-hmm. as soon as he goes and plays for the White Sox, I'm like, I'm good. Unfollow. Yeah. Not because mm-hmm. I don't love what he did for my team, but like but I don't he's need no longer White associated Sox with stuff. Your team. Yeah. yeah. All right, social media icon, expert, author, uh, Wyden Kennedy, not Weedon Kennedy, Wyden Kennedy, copywriter, um, and more importantly, my guy, uh, Trey. Free, free, free agent, by the way. I'm a free agent. Free agent? Is this breaking news? This is breaking news. My contract with the Athletic ends. Hey, hey, get in his mentions. I'll give you his number. Um, I'll give you his Instagram handle. I'll do anything to get my guy his next landing spot. Trevon Edwards. Hey, thank you, Trey, for coming on. Of course, brother. Thank you for being a friend, man. Always. Always.